Jordan, the myth, the legend, the wonder of the world, the champion. If you took a look at your agenda today and you thought I was about to t give you a, a talk about Michael Jordan, you're sadly mistaken. I'm sorry to disappoint you guys. The Jordan that I'm talking about is nestled in the heart of the Middle East. It's been a place that's been passed down through civilizations and time with culture and is also a myth, a legend, a wonder of the world. And what we do have in common with Michael Jordan is that we do have a lot of champions in an area that you might not expect. Salam, my name is Fouad Jarius. I'm a founder from Jordan. Yesterday at South by Southwest, I said the same thing to someone who walked up to me. I said, Salam, my name is Fouad Jarius. I'm a founder from Jordan. And he was confused. And he said, did you, did you say your name was Flatulence from Georgia? I said, no, 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 but what I'm, about, what I'm about to tell you doesn't stink. So what I promise to tell you today is a story of a country with a lot of heart. My name, Fuad, in Arabic means heart, and hopefully we'll show you through some of the stories and my own uh, stories as being an entrepreneur in the Middle East, the North African region, on why Jordan has really exceptionally done very well in the uh, technology sector. Before you uh, assume that I'm a narcissist here, I've just been extremely lucky for over the past 15 years to be an entrepreneur, and I've been a part of six ventures. I've founded four of them, and I have one exit under my belt, thankfully. After hours, I've had a great opportunity to be a tech satellite TV uh, show host, also an event organizer, uh, organizer, which is one of the longest running and most frequently active uh, events for the tech community, a grassroots uh, event in, uh, in Jordan. And also, I've had uh, the pleasure of actually living out my fantasy of being a rock guitarist and uh, ha having my own band over there. But this shows that there's a amazing renaissance, an amazing time that we're living in the Middle East today, where things are changing, transforming to a very big degree. And there's a lot of opportunity for anyone to take advantage of. Now, if you Google Jordan, not the basketball player, but the country, what you may find are headlines like this. The Arab world, Silicon Valley, Jordan emerges as an internet hub, startup kingdom, Jordan's IT boom. But do we understand really what Silicon Valley is? Silicon Valley is a very unique place. It is about 20 square kilometers of some of the best research and development institutions, universities, and technology companies from around the world. And so what does Jordan have in common with Silicon Valley? It's not just that we have a booming tech sector, but actually we have mo so much more. I would argue that probably Jordan is closer to a place like Austin, or maybe even Seattle, than Silicon Valley. And it's much more unique because of that. If we take a look at the music scene in Seattle, in the late 80s, early 90s, you might have heard of the grunge rock era that emerged suddenly from Seattle, from the conditions in Seattle as well. You might take a look at Austin, Texas, that there was a great startup community that actually emerged from Austin, Texas as well. Why did this happen? Why did these hubs form? If we take a look at the details, we'll find that there were key ingredients that make these things happen. First of all, it's isolation. If you take a look at the pop music industry, that was going in a completely different direction. The people in Seattle had skills, they had musicianship, and they were completely isolated to come up with their own brand, something unique that completely changed an industry. They had great grit and also economic conditions, particularly in Seattle, for example, at the time, that allowed for this economy to merge. If we take a look at Jordan, or we take a look at Austin as well, 
We had neighbors around us. In the, the, the state of Texas, you had Houston that was running after oil and the oil rush. For us in Jordan, you take a look at the Gulf region, the Arabian Gulf, they were also running after oil. And we had to differentiate ourselves and find a key differentiator for our businesses and the economy at, at large. And so many years ago now, I had the great fortune of going and studying in the US on a scholarship. I was able to go to tech events that formed how I was thinking about startups. I learned about the economy in the US of how the internet was forming in the early 2000s and late, late 2000s. Um, and I started looking at the region one way or another. And I said to myself, is there a diamond in the rough? So whenever anyone hears diamond in the rough, they all think of Aladdin and Jafar. However, is there an opportunity in the Middle East today to actually be part of building the first iteration of the tech economy. And that was so much more exciting for me. It was so much more valuable for me to kind of think of the glass as being half full instead of half empty. Would I afford deserting the US where all the technology was the center of the tech, uh, uh, the tech world and go to a potential desert to be part of building this new economy and trying to see things? It actually started many years before I did. Jordan was one of the first countries that actually established a uh, accelerator incubator in the 80s before anyone else in the region. It was very forethinking uh, forth in terms of the amount of engineers that are graduated every year. And there was a base of a lot of success and successful companies that came to fruition during those years. Back in college, another nice coincidence, one of my uh, syllabuses for uh, a data mining uh, course was authored by a person named Dr. Osama Fayyad. Dr. Osama Fayyad was the chief data officer at Yahoo, Barclays Bank, and he'd been at NASA's Jet Propulsion Labs and also Microsoft as one of their key VPs. He'd done amazing work, and he even coined the term data mining. And while I was in college, I was surprised by his name, and I looked him up, and I was surprised he was also Jordanian. And then I looked up more Jordanians all across the US at top levels of major technology companies that have been doing very, very well. They started their careers, even went to Jordanian universities, and then went off and conquered the world with the rest of these companies. And Dr. Osama Fayyad was no uh, exception to this. I was interested in getting to know him. I reached out to him for an internship, couldn't get in touch with him in the States. There are six degrees of separation between everyone else in the, in the US. However, if you go back to Jordan, you find out there are probably only two steps of separation. When I went back to Amman at the time, in, uh, in 2010, I connected with Dr. Usama through a quick uh, uh, intro. I got to meet with him. I asked him if he would invest in my startup. In 2008, this was uh, a bit tough. The economy wasn't doing very well. So we worked together on a company uh, that was doing data mining and data consulting in the US. And we did lots of projects for the top offices of Microsoft, Google, Yahoo, Verizon, and many other companies. And what I learned here is that we set up a back office in Amman with amazing talent that was world-class, and we were able to serve all these companies in the West and also in the East, in the Gulf countries, all from our little office in Amman. And I realized that this was amazing in terms of the quality of engineers that really can, if, we, if they have a chance, can do amazing work from anywhere around the world. There was a tipping point towards that time that changed everything, where everything in the past 30 years became real. It was the acquisition of a company called Maktoub by Yahoo in the States at the time for 185 million. That triggered a event 
that made everything real for us. The next door neighbor who was founding a company, finally found an exit, grew his business again, became an investor, invested in other companies, and there was this ripple effect in the economy. Many other companies that even spun out from Maktoub, like Souq.com, were acquired by Amazon a few years later for $650 million. A couple years after that, Stillfront, a Swedish group, that it's a holding company in the gaming and entertainment space, bought two companies in Jordan to the tune of hundreds of millions. One was Jawakir, the largest Arabic card gaming company. The other one was Babel Games. And then more recently, even smaller uh, acquisitions that happened more frequently from the Gulf region to Jordan, Foodix, a large POS system, the equivalent of a square uh, cloud-based uh, POS system, uh, acquired a company in Jordan called POS Rocket. And everyone in the economy completely believed that more and more can be achieved. And this was an amazing inflection point in how investors came into play, how uh, everyone else started believing that things can change for the positive and we can really make a difference. In my personal career, at that point in time, because I started thinking more, I became obsessed about getting into businesses and learning about how the uh, Arab internet was different from the foreign internet. One thing I did, I joined the company as a small partner called D1G.com. D1G or is, is the person that goes to the Diwan in Arabic, which is the social meeting place. And it was a rich media content website in Arabic for the first time. We were trying to get more content online. There are 400 million Arabs in the Middle East and North African region. Unfortunately, it's only, and even if it's the third most spoken language across the world, unfortunately, only under 5% of the internet is in the Arabic language. And there's a massive opportunity there. We built great tools in Arabic for the Arabic internet, which was completely different from what you'd expect here in the West and what I was used to. I worked with them. I opened up their offices in uh, different countries. There were many borders in the Middle East. It's a very fragmented area that creates a lot of challenges, but also lots of opportunity if you kind of figure out ways to erase those borders between you and your customers. Later on, to build on the excitement of this, these events that were happening in Jordan, the first incubator, accelerator, and early stage investment program called the Oasis 500 started out. I was part of the founding team of that. I had the pleasure of being uh, appointed by His Majesty to actually be part of the, the, that founding team. Uh, I was with them for the first 75 investments. I was uh, part of the, uh, the networks that they were building in terms of angel investment and also uh, in terms of uh, 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 mentorship. I had a large network that was able to help there. And I learned how things can actually grow with very little money and on, on a very cost-effective basis with amazing talent that today has spurred off many companies that are doing very well and also got acquired later on. I told you that I was active after hours as well. So one thing that I'd like to highlight here is the grassroots economy, the grassroots ecosystem that is in Jordan that is extremely unique. In 2010, I was part of co-founding an initiative called Aman Tech Tuesdays. It was a meeting place for any tech enthusiasts, engineers, and others for completely free, completely pro bono basis at a university called Princess Sumaya University in Jordan, which is an IT-based university. I look back at the Homebrew Computer Club in 1975 in California that were also meeting on a grassroots effort, and you can see there are similarities in the the photos that go beyond just that they are uh, halls of, of, of people sitting in chairs. There are people with purpose, there are people that met, and we've been able to cater to over 40,000 people who have been at our events, and at the end of every year, we have a large expo where startups and other companies can submit their uh, requests to exhibit their own products for free and get to uh, meet investors as well. It was extremely important for us because we were able to talk about topics that challenged uh, all the systems. 
We talked about the challenges in the Middle East, in Jordan in specific. We talked about things like Bitcoin back in 2012, very early on, before even the central bank even uh, considered Bitcoin at all. Even some of the success stories that happened over there is that some of the people who were at our events today run the two largest Bitcoin exchanges, and they're both Jordanian in the Arab world. Also, after hours, I had the, you know, by mistake, actually, I, I came to, uh, uh, to host and produce a tech TV show called Tech Tech. And on the very first episode, I interviewed a schoolmate of mine and a good friend who I worked with for a while on this project. His name is Amjad Masad. Amjad today is the founder of Ripplet, an $800 million valued company that started in Jordan as an open source software product to enable engineers to be able to code right in the browser with multiple coding languages. It was an open source project that we wanted to work on in an education basis. Now he's taken it to a whole different level and they run a global operation today and it all started in Jordan. When my co-founder and I established our own business later on, we got the itch. We saw, we saw the opportunities. We saw that, we, we, we saw that e-commerce was growing at a very big pace in the Arab world. But there were problems with payments. There were problems with uh, ways to logistically get products into uh, the country, into the doorsteps of the customers, like it ha does happen in Amazon uh, over here. Sinan, my co-founder, is originally Syrian. And what you find out is that lots of people came to Jordan from the rest of the Levant countries, whether it's Syria, Iraq, Palestine, or even Lebanon. And that gives us a really colorful and rich um, ecosystem in terms of the talent, in terms of the cultures. And we wanted to start a company that would be able to allow people to seamlessly shop on Amazon and get items right on their doorstep. We knew that people preferred to pay in cash and we wanted to build systems that wrapped around these international e-commerce websites and localized them for the region. So we did all of the payments, logistics, customs clearance, and customer service. And we built technology for that all through the stack. Sinan and I have both worked with companies like Google, Microsoft, and Yahoo in the past. We've built products. And so we started with this project to really solve a big problem in this growing field. Later on, I got a call from the US and it was a person who was a secretary at Amazon. She calls me up and she says, hello, is this Fouad? I say, yes. And she goes, well, we have Mr. Jeff Bezos who's going to be visiting Jordan. He requested to meet with you in Amman at your offices in three months time. And I respond back and I say, Mohammed, I swear to God, if you're pulling my tail again, you know, I'm gonna come and, and, and beat you up. But it turned out to be real. And three months later, we had actually built up so much traffic in an area that was underserved by Amazon itself, that we caught the attention of one of the leaders in the e-commerce space and even in the business world to come all the way to Jordan, meet with us, spend time with us. We showed him how we differentiated in terms of being able to localize an international platform for the Arab world and doing it better than they could themselves. They had an international team that we built a relationship with, and this was one of the most amazing events that probably couldn't have happened anywhere else. If we were in the States, if we were in maybe other parts of the world, it couldn't happen the same way it did with us being able to stand out in Jordan. It was an amazing event. We met with Mr. Bezos and his full delegation of the, the S team, the full executives. And at one point he even turned to us and he said, Fouad, I think what you're doing here doesn't really fall very well with our terms of service. And I told him, Mr. Bezos, I don't think we'd be very good entrepreneurs if we followed the rules all the time. 
and he laughed out loud and we were able he was so appreciative that we were able to do something that they weren't able to do and this is really important for us because we understood the culture of Amazon we understood business opportunity we understood our region and we were able to make an amazing product that customers preferred over other things that were available one other thing that I'm proud of over here is that we were able to build a six-page narrative, which is part of Amazon's culture. Amazon doesn't give presentations. They have six-page narratives that write out in detail what your proposals are, proposals are in the meetings. And then this is a photo from the security cameras. We weren't able to take uh, many good pictures. We weren't allowed to take pictures, but these are from our security cameras with Jeff Bezos holding our six-page narrative. And he really enjoyed that. We built a relationship with Amazon from there on. Building on other opportunities and involving even further. Today, the company I founded with Sinan as well is an offshoot of our previous company, Cash Basha. We were servicing six different markets and we had customers all across the Arab world. And with the fragmentation, we needed local numbers to be able to call these customers. We needed local numbers to be able to have them to call us as well. And there was no easy way to do that without spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and being able to uh, get enterprise level systems in place. So today, Maqsam is a cloud telephony platform that we've built to solve our own problems. And we were able to serve thousands of customers today in over 15 markets in the Arab world, which is one of the most difficult markets to operate in because of the licensing and regulation. But we took that on ourselves to provide a seamless experience for any person to build a telephony system and be able to increase the economic opportunity they have in their sales or in their customer success and customer support through our platform. We've recently made a breakthrough as well in Arabic speech recognition, and we've been able to outperform Google and Microsoft in their models to actually change calls in spoken Arabic to written Arabic. And we're able to do that because we have local data sets, we have a local effort that has been able to optimize more than the competition has been able to do that. And so I could have stood here in the past couple of minutes and told you more about Jordan in numbers, the stats. 23% of entrepreneurs in the region are all Jordanian. There is zero tax sales tax, 5% income tax in terms of tax incentives. There are 26 universities, 14 incubators, two techno parks, 30% female participation in the IT industry, which we're very proud of and that's growing. 22% of graduates are IT and engineering majors and they power some of the biggest companies in our region at whole. 5% of GDP is contributed from the IT sector as well. I could have told you all these things. Technically, I just did. But what's more important is that there are champions that are internationally available and waiting for you to be able to access the 400 million people in the Arab world. Jordan can be a gateway for anyone who's looking to grow their business, have a back office in Jordan, or even understand the local culture and be able to find the next economic opportunity. We can be your champions. We're looking forward to meeting you, and we thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Fouad. Uh, what a great start to know uh, about Jordan, which we are, we are all here to, uh, to talk and uh, show you a bit the glimpse and invite you to come to Jordan. And meanwhile, you can visit our uh, booth later on and know more about Jordan and uh, try our fantastic coffee from Dimitri. Um, I will uh, basically go through a globalization story with you. How 
we think globally and we act locally, not as my word, my company or Noor, myself, but as Jordanian, as Jordanian startups, entrepreneurs who are thinking globally and acting locally in the region and outside the region. I will show you a very small video about uh, our company. So basically, we build games. I've been doing this for 20 years. Uh, basically, I founded the first uh, gaming company in the MENA region, produced the first mobile game back in 2003. In a country where we have the support as gamer from His Majesty, I was awarded twice uh, from His Majesty for the efforts we've been doing in, the, in Jordan and in the region, because Jordan, as you will see, is the access, is the door for the MENA region. As Fuad expressed, we want you to consider Jordan as the gateway for the MENA region. I'm an ag agriculture engineer. I studied entomology. Uh, I wrote my first code when I was 10, 12 years old. And uh, I was lucky to found Maisel Word. From our culture, Maisel Word means the pride of the lion. So it's a, uh, an area in north of Jordan where the Romans used to have lions. And uh, I wanted something to relate to my culture, my history. So I named uh, my startup as Maisel Word. I was lucky to be in a family where I had the early exposure for gaming. Uh, I was a game and watch person, so I used to play small handheld games at that time named Game & Watch, Nintendo Game & Watch. I was an Atari guy, and I, write, I wrote my first code on uh, 128 Amstrad, uh, a basic and logo code at that time. And uh, my first game ever, mobile game I played was Snake on Nokia 6610. In 1999, I graduated from Jordan University, and I worked with the first ever mobile value-added service company who produced content for mobile operators all across the, jo across the world from Jordan. And uh, I started to create content based on 160 characters at that time. And this Jordanian company, which was acquired by an Italian group later on and became one of the most active uh, powerhouses in the region who graduated most of the value-added service companies, company was named Info to Sell, was acquired by Aquatel, and then later on by another group, Indian group that acquired the company. I moved from the Middle East to France, and I started to work with a French company there and be more exposed on the technology side. And I saw my friends who are basically working on the mobile technology started to create mobile games. And that's at 2002. I was sitting in a meeting inside one of the operators, main operators, Orange in France, in Paris. And I was talking about my passion about gaming. So one of the guys who was presenting came to me and said, which company you work and build games for? I said, no, I'm, I'm, I work on mobile value-added services. I'm based in France, but I basically work in the Middle East, but I'm passionate about games. He said, you have to fly with me to Helsinki 
to see the media lab in Helsinki University. So I told him as in, in our Arabic, I told him, inshallah, if God will, I will, I will come. He said, no, 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 you will fly with me next week. So I flew to Helsinki University in the media lab, and he told me, you have 200 students, tell them about storytelling in gaming, in mobile gaming. I, so I said, I, I, you know, I never work in games. He said, you have it. It's, it's, it's in your head, it's in your history. So I, I started basically the first involvement in 2002 in gaming through the Helsinki Media Lab University. And I came back and I said, I want to start my company in Amman, Jordan. And at that time, because of my relation to the value-added service, I had the chance to work with a company, Italian company called Buongiorno, on localizing Spider-Man game into uh, an Arabic version for the region. And, um, and I started to learn about mobile gaming and that, the cycle and my Jordanian team members. And then a guy from one of the telco companies in Jordan came and said, okay, bravo, you started doing localization, you brought Spider-Man, that's perfect. But let's do a full-fledged localized game. And I was like, okay, we will. And he said, but it has to be less than 64 megabyte. For the new generation, this means nothing. For us, it was the only way to deliver uh, a file over the network of the operator. So the challenge was started from there. We started to build games, and we launched our first ever Jordanian full developed game IP in 2004 with this operator. Today, I have more than 100 games. We have more than 3.5 million active, monthly active users. And we top on countries like the United States, Saudi Arabia, UAE, UK, Kuwait, and the world is flat. That was the past. The future, and just to tell you how Jordan is thinking about the future, I came back to Jordan 2010. I was lucky to sit with His Majesty and His Majesty team, seeing in 2010 a future for mobile game developers or Jordanians into mobile game development. And that was in 2010, where Apple and Google just started their app stores, and Jordan, at 2010, were putting strategies to build the future of mobile game developers. So we took a direct direction from His Majesty to build what is called the App Challenge, which is a program that we go through 14 to 16 years old students, and we camp with them to build and publish their own mobile games. And in the same time, we said, okay, we have game developers, but we need basically computers. We need MacBooks. They are expensive. What can we do? So we took the fund from His Majesty, the King Abdullah Fund II, and we created six physical gaming labs all across Jordan that teaches support Jordanians into building their own career in mobile games. And we give them grants, we support them, so they can be indie developers 
basically, and generate revenues in, in games. Today, we have more than 10,000 members all across Jordan. Those are developers, young developers who works on Unity, Maya, Photoshop, name it, and they are ready to work with you guys to collaborate so you can enter the MENA region. Bilingual, they know we, sp we speak the, the region Arabic. They know the region very well. As Fuad said, we are in the heart of the Middle East, all across the main players in the Middle East, the potential, the future potential, Saudi Arabia, the Gulf region, Iraq. And so those indie developers are ready for your collaboration. We have what we call the lab on wheels. We also go across Jordan on a lab that we basically fully equipped with computers, laptops where we train and we develop our young Jordanians. Up to date, we have, and, and this is funny because I remember having the privilege to sit and talk about this with the White House in Washington a few years ago. And uh, because of um, President, with a visit of His Majesty to the White House, President Obama team asked us to present the App Challenge program so that, you know, what we have been doing in Jordan to train and develop those young Jordanians. And the beauty of this program that they learn, they publish, and they gain a prize. And the prize is to build gaming labs inside their communities. So we have more than today 20 gaming labs all across Jordan inside schools. And those are the young Jordanians that we want you to collaborate with. We want you to work with and the potential through them for the MENA. Why we are the Axis? Today, we sit here to talk Jordan as the Silicon Valley of the MENA region or the Silicon Valley or the upcoming. Why? MENA region, you have to know that in mobile games, the most growing market in mobile games is the MENA region. So if the US is growing from 4 to 6% year on year, we are growing 12.9 year on year. So 2025 is projected to have a 5 billion revenue in mobile games, which is a great opportunity in a, in a market growing on a year to year in 12.9%. And just to tell you that Jordanian gaming companies have been growing in the past five, six years in a 40% in a in a total growth year by year. And they contribute the biggest as contributor for the app stores in terms of games. Fouad mentioned two successes that were acquired by Stealthfront in, in, in Jordan. And we contribute most of the content, gaming content that goes into the app stores in the MENA region. 22 countries, guy, where we have 400 million of population, where internet is almost 90% where we are under 50, 30 years old, we are 55%, just imagine the potential. Imagine the potential of collaborating, accessing this huge market of the MENA region. In terms of mobility, why mobile games? Why we talk mobile games in Jordan? The region itself, you know, it's funny because when you see numbers, 
We are in a total of population around 10 million today as Jordanian, as Jordan, 7.3 million mobile users. And we have 100% of them connected on the net. And in the Arab region, even a higher percentage. Imagine the power of your product, whether mobile games or whatever, to this target audience. And you can do it through a very well-educated bilingual team members and individuals from Jordan. So why? Yes, we are the beating heart of the Middle East. We've been in mobile games for the past 12, 20 years. The first gaming company is from Jordan. We have an annual event that we host. Last year, we managed to bring 1,200 people to Jordan. We have a huge investment and plans for eSports, creating, we'll be launching our new eSports Academy in Jordan. We'll get the new generation of eSports professionals. We have eSports teams. The Olympic Committee took eSports seriously in the past four years. We have a local Jordanian team. So we are the beating heart of the Middle East. And the beauty that we are this morning I was talking with a, um, a, someone from the Austin uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce, and I was telling him, and we were talking about collaboration. And Jordanians are collaborative people. We want to collaborate. We want to bridge. And this is what we are doing today to bridge you through us, through stories, to the MENA region. This is ambition. Those, I'm using this photo, this is in in a place called Tafile in south of Jordan, a very small village of 26,000 to 30,000 in population. A local guy asked us to create a gaming lab there. So we told him, listen, we know we need to create more gaming labs. We are limited in funds. The plan is there. And he said, I want to build it. I want to build it, and just please bring your trainers, your support, and I will want to build this, this in Tafile. And this was two weeks ago, our first meetup, our first workshop training, 150 from the village of Tafile came, driven by the community, the belief, and this is the ambition. This is where the strength of Jordanian is with the ambition. Young, we, we have nine years old kids who created games. They published their games. We have top eSport players are Jordanians in the region. And the female game developers, and this is by fact by people from Microsoft, founders of Xbox who came and interacted with people from Unity. We have the highest female game developers not only in the region, the world who works in game development and not game design. They write programs, they generate code, they put their games on the store. So we are very proudly to have this young uh, generation. And we are very serious in taking the game more further. And we believe in inclusion. And I'm, I'm just sharing with you the impact we are trying to do. This is one of our first initiatives to include with us 
people with handicaps, disabilities, and we did the first training, and it's a retraining. We have people who created, this is their second or third uh, uh, week with us. They are creating games, and we will be publishing two games very soon through this inclusion that we are doing in the gaming lab. So, as an agriculture engineer, I like to grow things, and I'm, uh, I'm, I come originally from the north of Jordan, which is well known being into agriculture. So I like to grow things, and I like to harvest them with you guys. So please come to Jordan, and let's grow. Let's grow Jordan and the region together. So it's an open invitation, and please, uh, I will be more than happy to receive any, any question, any email, and I will be more collaborative to help you to enter in the region. And now, you know, you, you, you saw the ugly face of Jordan. Now we have Tina, the pretty face of Jordan, will come and tell us about more impact of Jordanian women to end this invitation. So, Tina. Hello, everyone. My name is Tina Swice. And Tina is not a short for Christina. It's not a short for Valentina. It's a short for Fatina, a very Arabic and Jordanian name that I'm very proud of. But I keep the name Tina because it's an icebreaker. Every time someone in the US meets me and asks me, is your name Tina? And I get to tell my story, the story of why I am the product of Jordan. I was born um, to a family of entrepreneurs who immigrated to Chicago. I'm a Jordanian-American. Um, my family raised me in Chicago, and then my parents made a very smart choice that they, they didn't want their children to fall on a cushion. They wanted them to live the struggle. So we went back to Jordan uh, to get rooted in our Jordanian culture, in our heritage, in our foundation, and that was during the Gulf War. Um, with my brothers and sisters and I, we went to Jordanian schools. And while my brothers and sisters decided to go back to the US and graduate from international universities, I wanted to live the American dream and dream in Jordan. I went to a Jordanian university and I started my career and my path in a focus in working in education reform, change management, by empowering teachers to become master trainers and lead the change through schools. Um, I won't bore you with the story of my career path in Jordan. I will get straight to the highlight of my story. Um, as I reached the dream in Jordan and I became an advisor for youth policy at the prime minister's office, my favorite job of all time, because I got to see where you can really challenge the rules and engage with Jordanian youth to put them on the map anywhere in the world. However, July 11, 2013, I gave birth to my first and only son, and he was born with a rare disease that's considered a one in 10 million. My son Troy was born with his organs shuffled, and at the time I needed to find a doctor 
that is able to figure out where we're going to start with his surgeries. First, I went to Boston and we started the trail of surgeries. And the first thought that came to my mind is, if he's one in 10 million, that means someone started counting somewhere. And if someone started counting somewhere, that means there is a live patients who have gone through the same thing as my son. So I went on that hunt to connect the dots globally through the US to find these patients and contact them and figure out what I can do for my son to save him and he will have the best outcome in his life. To my surprise, and I was going through that for the past nine years, I ended up having to go and see 28 different specialists multiplied by four for second opinion to actually figure out the 19 surgeries that my son had. And it was all on me as a mother to connect the dots, figure it out, and follow the one rule that I take with me wherever I go, which is form should follow function. I looked back at my upbringing in Jordan, and I remembered one thing that we are taught over there to see a problem as an opportunity. I decided to look sideways and listen to all of these doctors and be the connecting point between all of them to figure out how Troy can be a success story in medicine that he is today. I took that opportunity to gamify uh, a very complicated situation uh, in pediatrics these days, which is after they do all of these surgeries, how are they going to function? How are they going to retrain the brain? I gamified that methodology um, using VR gaming, and the VR methodology is called Troytopia after my son. And it focuses on the rehabilitation of the neurogastrointestinal system where a child um, is training in a game, traveling as a blueberry inside his body, and he's training his whole brain, whole body, to communicate, to actually have function gastrointestinally and colorectally. This methodology right now um, is partnered in several uh, clinics, and I'm very proud to say that I was able to reach impact that way. Having left Jordan, of course, you always have, as every Jordan in this room, you always have Jordan in your heart. I was always looking at opportunities, how I can best represent Jordan for the mere coincidence as every single hospital that I ended up going to, every single research or clinical trial that I met with over the past nine years actually had Jordanian-American doctors in it. And in every opportunity I would get to meet them, I realized how them, like me, they also want to connect the dots and give back and represent to Jordan. So I decided to consult in social impact investment and serve as a global connection for Jordan here in Phoenix, Arizona. The story that I'm trying to tell you is, as a Jordanian, 
I realized that we as Jordanians and a product of Jordan have excelled in anywhere we go to give it the opportunity to put Jordan on the map with our brains. And Troitopia is a, is a proud example of that. Um, my son right now decides to go every summer to Jordan to learn and, you know, um, bridge that culture into his school. And it made me realize another opportunity that we have. As I was thinking of the human body and then trying to connect the dots in every single organ that was shuffled and put back together, I realized that this is what we do in Jordan at the heart of the Middle East too. We are the brain that connects all of the functions in the Middle East through our talent. We have experts in health tech. We have entrepreneurs who are very fierce, who can see the problem sideways. And in every um, project that I worked on in the US here that always looked at, well, we have a shortage of people, which is the situation right now. The first idea that came to my mind is, well, if you hire a Jordanian, if you outsource a Jordanian company, you would find a better solution to your problem. And what's really cool about it is that with the economies of scale, with the economy we're in, you, it, you have affordable solutions, um, amazing tech, amazing in incentives to invest in these people in Jordan and collaborate. I call that collaboration today um, the parallel world. And that parallel world um, makes me think of a very interesting idea that I was inspired by from my son again. Um, as a piano prodigy, he likes to play music a lot. And he used to play uh, the soundtracks for movies of Avengers Assemble. And he always wanted to have a, a superhero role model that he can connect with. And that superhero would be even an Iron Man or a Superman or a Spider-Man that has a very fierce and famous um, weapon. As, I, as a little girl, I remember looking at the Jordanian map and playing around with it and saying, this is my axe. It looks like an axe. And this Jordanian weapon is what made me use my axe to defy fears, to figure out a problem and become a pioneer and an entrepreneur, to work in technology like VR and augmented reality to rehabilitate, rehabilitate children. I want to take a little pause because one thing I learned is um, we can take a story that is a challenge for us and turn it into an opportunity. And I think there's a, there's a whole hall of people in here who have gotten inspired just by an, a story, a personal story, a problem, and have found solutions uh, to put it all together and, and make a difference. However, as a Jordanian, 
I see it differently. I see that we have a better outlook on seeing that problem, looking at it from different perspectives and coming up with solutions that are not defined by funding, not defined by the lack of resources, not defined by the different policies that are crippling here sometimes. We see it as an opportunity and we deliver. I am a product of Jordan and I'm proud to represent Jordan in the US and help you connect with entrepreneurs like me who are filling this room uh, in any way that we can. Thank you.